Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, March 6th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. South Sudan's SPLMIO calls for President Kia to resent the dismissal of Defense Minister Ajelina Tang. The political bureau has resolved and rejected the unilateral removal of the Minister of Defense and President Affairs Honorable Angelina Tang due to which is a violation to the Rice Group called for a law criminalizing torture in Zambia. Burundi sends troops to Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. A former Liberian chief justice suspects police conspiracy behind an attack on her home and the killing of her foster daughter. I think now what I'm listening to on the radio and I and how prepared is Nigeria for another nationwide election? Those stories plus Samson O'Malley's posts are coming up on Daybreak Africa. The Sudan People's Liberation Movement, the SPLMIO of South Sudan, has rejected what it calls a unilateral decision by President Salva Kiir to remove Angelina Tain as Minister of Defense and Veterans Affairs. Chapter 1 of the Revitalized Peace Agreement calls on all parties to consult one another before a decision is taken. The SPLMIO said this was not done when the President removed the Defense Minister and the Interior Minister. In a resolution taken at its extraordinary meeting held over the weekend in Juba and presided over by First Vice President and SPLMIO Chair Riyak Meshaw, the SPLMIO called on President Salvakir to revoke his decision dismissing Defense Minister Tain. Pug Bof Baluang is acting press secretary for Riyak Meshaw. He tells me the group is also calling for Defense Minister Tain's reinstatement. The political bureau have resolved and rejects the removal of the Minister of Defence and Veteran Affairs, Honorable Angelina Tang, due to which is a violation to the agreement, precisely Article 1.13.1, which has given the parties to the agreement the power to remove its representative in the Council of Ministers and eliminate replacement by notifying the President. Also, the swapping of the ministries, it is also a violation to the agreement, particularly Article 1.12.1 of the agreement, which required the parties to agree on the allocation of selection of the ministerial portfolio in the article. Therefore, the political bureau calls upon President Safaki to revoke his unilateral decision or decrease. Also, we call upon President Safaki to reinstate Angelina Change as the Minister of Defense and Veterans Affairs. What happens if President Savokir does not reinstate uh, the defense minister? Well, uh, there's a scheduled meeting between the president and the first vice president, which is the two principals on the matter, because there was a lot of cycle of violations in the same scale, starting from president rejecting to appoint General Johnson Owen as the governor of Tanai. The uh, examples are so many. The leadership will take the further step, depends on the outcome of uh, the meeting between the two principals on Monday. It was just last month that Pope Francis was in South Sudan. 
And I think one of the things he said was for the both signatories to the revitalized agreement to recommit themselves to the peace process. Do you think the peace process is going in the right direction with this decision or is going in the wrong direction? Unfortunately, the president's decision came almost one month from the visit of the church's leaders visit to South Sudan. It would be great if the parties to that government has captured the momentum of the holy visit to South Sudan and also the messages that they have left behind to the parties to unite themselves, to reconcile, and so on and so forth. However, it seems the president uh, is not touched by all these messages. Otherwise, he will not have to violate the agreement and uh, he would have focused and worked with the first vice president collectively on how they implement the rest of the articles of the agreement in the Chinese spirit in the preparation for conducting an election. According to our evaluation, it is a bad start to kick off also the new extension, which is the roadmap by the president. Therefore, we urge the president to revert to the course of peace, revert back to the course of working with the peace partners or the peace signatories to the agreement on how to implement the chapters and the articles of the agreement in form of programs and to work closely and hard to implement the peace agreement in that time spirit. Both Baluang is the acting press secretary for South Sudan Vice President Riyak Mashar. He was speaking with me from South Sudan's capital, Juba. Burundi has sent troops to Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo in support of East African community forces there. Violence in the region has flared recently due to fighting between M23 rebels and DRC army and its ally, the FDLR rebels. Meanwhile, French President Emmanuel Macron concluded his visit to DRC over the weekend. Journalist Al-Katanti Sibiti Jaffa in eastern Congo says Macron's visit was marred by protest as some Congolese were expecting France to impose sanctions on Rwanda for allegedly supporting the M23. President Macron uh, visited DRC at a bad moment where the country is facing a new war between uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo armed forces and the rebellion of M23, which is supported by Rwanda. So the discussion uh, in general, in total, turned about the security situation of DRC. I read uh, where the French leader also blamed the violence in eastern Congo on President Felix Tshisekedi or the Democratic Republic of Congo itself, saying that very little has been done to try to suppress the violence in the area. So um, what would you say is the relationship between these two countries? Let me say that Emmanuel Macron was not lucky because it was not a good moment for him to come in DRC. Because France is pointed by all Congolese people as one of the countries supporting the insecurity situation of Congo by supporting Rwanda, who is supporting M23. And after the meeting of the president, there was a press conference. And all Congolese journalists in the press conference asked President of France to do not only blame the situation, blame the insecurity, blame the war, but they lacked him to blame Rwanda and to say, to talk about sanctions against Rwanda, who is supporting 
M23. He's supporting the killing of Congolese people. What would you say has been the reaction of the Congolese people to uh, Emmanuel Macron's visit? Unfortunately, uh, this visit was not welcomed by Congolese people. As you know, days before it, there was many protests, demonstrations on France embassy and all France consulates in the country. Congolese people were saying, we don't want Emmanuel Macron to visit our country. And even if he came, he met the president, but also uh, Congolese people didn't found what they expected in Emmanuel Macron's speech. What do you know about the arrival of Burundian troops in the DRC? 100 more Burundian soldiers arrived in DRC via Goma International Airport in the reinforcement of the East African Community Regional Force troops. But it's not the first team of Burundians. Burundi was the first country to deploy in DRC as part of the East African Community Regional Force. But it was in South Kivu, close to the border of Burundi, where DRC is facing many rebel groups, such as Burundians, Rwandans, and some Congolese local rebel groups. But these 100 more who come today will be deployed in Masisi in the zone under control of M23 if M23 will leave the place. That was reporter Jaffa Al-Katanti speaking with us from Goman, Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo. Rice groups in Zambia are calling for the urgent enactment of a law criminalizing torture as a means to address human rights violations. The Human Rights Commission says although the number of cases has dropped in the past two years, the practice is a grave violation of human rights and completely illegal under international human rights law. Kathy Short reports from Lusaka. Zambian Human Rights Commission spokesperson Moelo Mlea says the commission is concerned about cases of torture by police which have resulted in serious injuries, permanent disabilities, and in extreme cases, the loss of life. Mulea says some victims have become disabled and are not able to provide for their families. As the commission, we have been receiving complaints of torture and we have been investigating and we have come to a conclusion that there is impunity that takes place relating to torture of suspects, particularly at the time of arresting or interrogating uh, the suspects by law enforcement officers, particularly the police. Torture is the intentional infliction of severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, upon an individual in order to get information or to punish them for an alleged crime. The call comes after a series of arrests of political opponents and journalists who claimed to be tortured by police. There have been hundreds of cases recorded annually in the past nine years, although the number has reduced from 39 in 2021 to 19 cases in 2022. Bonfest Chembe is the executive director of the human rights NGO, the Southern African Center for the Constructive Resolution of Disputes. He has joined the call for the enactment of the law to protect suspects from torture. The country needs a help in as far as combating the vice of torture uh, is um, concerned. Uh, and therefore, uh, in, a, in an effort to continue uh, 
being a country that uh, is desirable to improve her human rights record, being a country that is desirable to get rid of any acts of torture that may be prevalent uh, in our nation. Zambia's Justice Minister Mulambo Haimbe acknowledges the abuse of human rights by the police. He reiterates the government's support for legal reforms to tackle the problem. Violations from law enforcement agencies continue to be recorded and enhanced sensitization and education of all our citizenry, including those who hold offices of authority, will ensure the continued protection of these fundamental rights that you and I and all of us enjoy. Torture is prohibited by the 1948 United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights and by the 1966 International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Zambia is a signatory to the convention. Amnesty International Secretary General Agnes Kalamad last year urged President Hakainde Hichilema to move with speed to honor his promise on human rights during his tenure including by repealing oppressive legislation such as the Public Order Act that has been used by successive administrations to curtail human rights. Kalamad said this when she met President Hichilema in Lusaka last March as she concluded her visit to the country. I'm Kathy Short for VOA News in Lusaka, Zambia. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm James Barty in Washington. Today is Monday, March 6th. Still to come on our program, Samson O'Malley Sports. The former Chief Justice of Liberia, Gloria Mususkat, says she suspects conspiracy by Liberian police and the government to make her a fall guy for an armed attack on February 22nd this year on her home and the stabbing death of her foster daughter. The police summoned Justice Mususkat and her family last Friday to provide information about the incident. The family is expected to appear again today, Monday, March 6. Justice Scott says the attack was an attempt to assassinate her and that she fears for her life. Asked who would want to kill her, the former Chief Justice says the motive could be in response to comments and legal representations she has made in the recent past, including questioning the capacity and neutrality of the National Elections Commission, also known as NEC, to conduct a free and fair election in 2023. They wanted to know the event that occurred in my home. On the 22nd of February, they wanted me to describe what happened in my home. And what did you tell them? I told them that uh, on February 8th and 9th, persons intruded into my home. And I had made a report to the Brazil Police Depot, and they had um, sent two officers to come and look at my home. And the officers came and looked and uh, left. Justice, let me ask you, do you think the police believe your explanation of the incident or do they suspect something else happened? To tell you the truth, it's a difficult question to ask. I mean, to answer because apparently what I see is like a conspiracy to make me and the other members of the household as four guys. I think now what I'm listening to on the radio, not only from the police, but from officials of the ruling party. It clearly a thing, a conspiracy. Instead of looking 
you know, conducting a wide investigation. They are now, in fact, it sounds like a preconceived conclusion they come to, and they just go into the motion to tweak whatever we see. As as we give them innocently and truthfully, they tweak it. In fact, it's in the media from then, even though they have now officially arrested me, but I'm the defendant now. I'm the defendant. You had alleged, uh, Justice, that the death of your foster daughter at your home was an attempt to assassinate you. First of all, who will want to assassinate you and why? Well, one of the things I can say is maybe the kind of pleadings that we found in the Yombi Kana Lawrence faction of the Liberty Party. I represent uh, along with other lawyers. And one of the things in the pleadings is that... Uh, the National Elections Commission will question their neutrality and their capacity to conduct a free and fair election. So I don't know if that's what it is. And why I say that the people who kept going to my home, they're so brazen and they're so bold. Do you know Councillor Jerome Verdier and uh, what do you make of what he has alleged that Monrovia City Mayor Jefferson Koji hired someone to assassinate you? Do you know him, and what do you make of his allegations? I know him from the law school so many years back. I haven't had any contact with Jerome uh, Freudier, maybe close to 20 years. I don't know his telephone number. I'm not in contact with him. And to tell you the truth, I don't watch TV. I don't listen to radio because sometimes what people spew up on the radio, considering my experiences on the war, it gives me the, the indication that the war is about to happen again. I just stay away from it to maintain my peace. When I chatted with you earlier, you told me you did not feel safe. Uh-huh. What do you mean by that? Because the person who has been coming into my home and who killed this girl is still out there. Me and these other children and other persons attached to me that the public don't recognize. All of us don't feel safe. We don't feel safe. I even told them, don't get out of the fence, even though there are two armed policemen at the gate. All of that, you know, is a sense of serious insecurity. We can hardly sleep, we hardly eat. So whoever did this act is still out there. Justice Gloria Musiscat. Yeah. Thank you so much. A pleasure speaking with you. Okay, thank you so much. Gloria Musiscat is the former Chief Justice of Liberia. She spoke with us from the Liberian capital, Monrovia. Nigerians are preparing for another nationwide vote on Saturday, March 11th, on the heels of controversial presidential elections. The Independent National Elections Commission declared Bola Tinubu winner of the presidential contest, but Atiku Abubakar of the People's Democratic Party and Peter Obi of the Labour Party have rejected the results. International observers say the February 25 elections did not meet the expectations of Nigerian voters. Now, Nigeria is set to hold governorship and still assembly election this weekend. Shuaibu Idris Mikati is the Lagos-based financial and management consultant. I ask him where things are now and if the country is ready for another nationwide vote. I believe uh, where we are right now, I will start with uh, a bit of uh, kudos to the two gallant personalities in person of His Excellency Achuko Abubakar and His Excellency Peter Obi, who came second and third, respectively, from the result declared by INEC. These two gentlemen 
have shown some level of uh, maturity and statesmanship. But for the fact that they have shown some level of leadership, uh, we wouldn't know where this country might be as at now. Tension has receded. They have declared that they were going to challenge the election results declared by the Independent National Electoral Commission. And uh, they have been given the authority, the need to inspect the beavers, the machine that uh, does the accreditation of voters, as well as uh, to also examine the various results sheets declared at respective uh, polling units, as well as what, what level, local government level and state level. So we are going to see, if you like, clash of the titans. I'm sure the Labour Party led by uh, Peter Obi and the People's Democratic Party led by Atiku Abubakar uh, will be putting up a formidable uh, legal team to challenge uh, the result of the election with a view to getting it either nullified or at least uh, the result tinkered with possibly in their favour. That was Shuaibu Idris Mikati, a financial and management consultant. He was speaking with us from Lagos, Nigeria. It is time now for Daybreak Africa Sports, and here is Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Monday morning to you, Samson. Good Monday morning to you too, James. We begin the sport with the English Premier League, where Liverpool forward and Egyptian international Mohamed Salah made history on Sunday, confirming himself as Liverpool's greatest scorer of the modern era, as his history-making double sent Manchester United spinning to their heaviest Anfield defeat. With his strike that put the Reds six ahead on their way to a 7-0 victory, the Egyptian forward became Liverpool's all-time top Premier League scorer. Salah scored his 100. 128th and 129th goals in 205 appearances in the league for Liverpool on Sunday. With his double against United, Salah surpassed Robbie Fowler as Liverpool's leading scorer in Premier League history. He has scored against 26 different clubs in the Premier League, netting nine in matches against both Watford and West Ham and eight in fixtures with Bournemouth. Uh, it's, it's very special, I can't lie. This record, this record in, was in my mind since I came here. I think after my first season, I was like always like chasing that record. Uh, so I get it today against United with that result is, is unbelievable. So yeah, I'm, I'm going home, celebrate with the family and have uh, chamomile tea and sleep. Staying with football news, four African teams have booked their sports in the semi-finals of the 2023 CAF Under-20 Africa Cup of Nations, which has been hosted by Egypt. The semi-final berth also secures passage to the FIFA Under-20 World Cup to be hosted by Indonesia. Senegal, Nigeria, The Gambia and Tunisia all sealed their places in the last four phase thanks to some impressive performances in the quarterfinal matches. The two semi-final matches will be played on Monday the 6th of March. Senegal will take on Tunisia in the first match at the Swiss Canal Authority Stadium in Ismailia, while the other semi-final game will see the Gambia facing Nigeria at the Cairo International Stadium. And now to athletics 
where Rosemary Wanjiri of Kenya won the Tokyo Marathon, a World Athletics Platinum Labour Road Race on Sunday. Wanjiro won in a new personal best time of 2 hours, 16 minutes and 28 seconds ahead of Ethiopian's Gamichu Sihei, who came in second in 2 hours, 16 minutes, 56 seconds, and Ashata Bakere, who took third in 2 hours, 19 minutes, 11 seconds. Wanjiro had earlier indicated that she would be using the race to vie for a place in Kenya's marathon team for the World Championships in Budapest, Hungary in August. And now to Uganda, where Martha Babiri claimed her maiden open trophy at the Entebbe Ladies Golf Open. Martha maintained her three-stroke lead with a total return of 143 in two days. The reigning Uganda Ladies Open champion Babiri has now won most domestic competitions there is to offer on the ladies front. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, James in Washington. Thank you, Samson. Have a good Monday. And that's it for this Monday, March 6th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for beginning your week with us. On behalf of the Daybreak Africa team, I am James Botty in Washington, wishing that you will have a great week.